This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Nigel from ESPN Milwaukee, the holder of the GKW Poker Chip from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He is Jonathan Hood. And no Brian Rowitz this week. I think he was a little embarrassed, Jay Hood, that we gave him the assignments because both AEW and NXT were on Tuesday this week. So we gave him the assignment. He had to watch NXT. He had to come with a book report for us. And I don't know if you watched it or not. So I think he just decided to ghost us and completely not show up this week. That is ridiculous. He's supposed to be here broadcasting from his car with uh, some kind of ominous light over his car. <laughs> you know, outside some random, you know, Fort Myers, Florida indie show. And he's not here because he had a job to do. He, his job was to drive to Orlando cover NXT, and now he's just jaking on the job. Yeah, hey, right? now he's gone. Yeah, now he's just completely ghosted us. So we're not going to be talking about NXT. I mean, maybe I – mean, actually, not at all. We're not going to be talking about NXT. We've got other things we want to talk about. And where we start is with the other show that was on Tuesday, what AEW called their title Tuesday. And the ending ended up being a lot. Um, they, you know, they hyped it up the entire show. The match, for the most part, I thought was delivering. Uh, between John Moxley and Hangman Adam Page, I would, and then out of a bunch of caution, they decided to stop the match, get Hangman out of the ring, took him to a, a hospital. Apparently, had a concussion, was released from the hospital later. Don't know about his status in terms of when he's going to be wrestling again. But you know, AEW doing the smart thing. But then they had a few minutes to spare. But how do you think AEW Title Tuesday ended up going over? Uh, because they did beat NXT once again head-to-head. Um, well, uh, it's, it's interesting to watch what happened in AEW because you knew that they were going to go full barrel trying to be able to show uh, showcase their champions and showcase some great action. And I just thought that the main event was fantastic because I'm watching it, Gabe, and I'm watching a lot of physicality between Moxley and, and Hangman Page. Page comes in as the heel, ends up being the babyface at the end of the night, of course. But I just love that it was going to be physical. It was in Cincinnati. I know that Mox has been wanting to have a regular show, an opportunity to be in Cincinnati for a long time as his hometown, and now they've had a couple of shows there. So I think this the match delivered, unfortunately, is the way it ended. It's amazing, Gabe, how these concussions happen, right? We've seen that clothesline move a million times. Oh, at yeah. least. Four- at least four or five times on a, on a random dynamite. Um, but it's just when you have one too many bumps in your bump card, that's what happened. And it was sad to see Hangman Page, um, you know, leave the way he did. But I thought all the way up to that, I thought it was a really good physical match. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I like the way that Hangman took it to him because Moxley enters through the crowd. So they had the fight in the crowd before the match officially started. You had Mox bleeding, may have caught him cutting himself. You know, maybe not the best camera work there. Um, you know, kind of sitting on a chair, even you know, just maybe maybe cut to a different camera angle as Mox is. You know, come on, let's let's be able to clean some of that stuff up. But um, yeah, it was a really good physical match. I thought it kind of delivered. They the, the way that they built that up very quickly, as AEW does from time to time with these quick matches and quick turnarounds that they have. Typically, when somebody wins a battle royal to earn a shot at any one of their titles, you know, I thought that they had the intensity there between the two of Hangman trying to get back to the top and, and Mox trying to defend the title he won not that long ago. So it was it was a good physical match. I thought the night started off great with the trios match, even though I've been critical of the trios championship. Anything that gets me more of the Lucha Brothers on my television set, I am clearly going to be a fan of. So, you know, I I, I thought overall it was a pretty good night outside of the ROH stuff, which ad nauseum we continue to talk about. Yeah, we, we do. And because it's a disconnect, I think, for the AEW audience. I know action's action. And for AEW, it's just about matches, right? Just it's not about storylines, it's just about action and great and great um in-ring ability and title changes and trying to move from one week to the other. It's just, I, yes, I literally liked what I saw from Dynamite, but the ROH stuff, it's like, yeah, I understand these isolated matches. I just don't know where they're going, right? I mean, you got Chris Jericho in there against that against the Peacock, and we see him in there with the boys. And uh, Dalton Castle. I mean, I mean, listen, that guy can go. I mean, besides oh, the yeah. histrionics and everything, that guy can go. He's a, he's a really solid wrestler. 
I just didn't. I, I know where the story's going. It's it's funny though, Gabe, because it's it when you have this much ROH action on Rampage and on Dynamite, it makes me think that at some point there'll be an announcement yeah. for a TV deal because you can't just keep ramrodding these ROH wrestlers in the middle of Dynamite and not have something. That doesn't make any sense. But I do like what Jericho is doing. He's just trying to destroy everything ROH. Hopefully that leads into something big. Like, it's funny because we rail against the ROH stuff, and yet we want long-term storytelling out of AEW. And yet the only kind of long-term story they might be telling right now is around Chris Jericho and the ROH belt because he he says he wants to systematically destroy everything that ROH stands for. So he's going through, you know, a list and, and they showed a, a clip, you know, of a bunch of former, a, uh, excuse me, ROH champions. So th there are still some of those ROH champions that currently work for the company. And he's got plenty of guys that he can kind of run through and make this an interesting thing. And, and, you know, as a fan, you can kind of look at the list and go, oh, who's the one who's going to stop Jericho? Who's the one who's going to go over Jericho? You can actually start to have fun with this. So it's it's taking the one thing we've been – two of the things we've been critical about and somehow combining it. I, I still don't know if – it's the right thing because you have so many other AEW stories you could be telling, but at least somewhere they're telling some sort of long story, long-term story. Yeah, it is true. Uh, it, it takes one of the, I guess, new vice presidents or one of the new uh, upper echelon office people now and Chris Jericho, because he signed a new deal. So he's going to kind of, he has kind of like the Moxley deal of a hey, long-term deal, but you could be an influence in the company. We just, it's not going to be, Maybe the Young Bucks, it won't be Kenny Omega, it's Chris Jericho. So if you notice with Jericho, he's been four or five different iterations already since he's been in AEW. He always is very good to reinvent. Now he's the Ocho. So, I mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is something he came up with. It's not like Tony Khan put pen to paper and said, I got something for you. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. It's going to be great. It's, I don't think it was that. I think it was Jericho saying, how about if we do this, if this is going to make me ROH champion? I and I think Tony Khan just says yes, because Jericho has a pretty good wrestling mind. What's wild to me about Jericho is when he signed with AEW and you go into the TV deal with him as the champ. And, you know, you know, he wasn't going to be champ for super long, wasn't going to be the long-term champ, but he is someone established, so he helps you connect with an audience, build that TV audience every Wednesday when you open with Dynamite. And eventually, you know, they pass it off to John Moxley and, and all that. And after he was champ for that first time, I kind of figured that, especially with his role as an announcer on Rampage, I thought that, okay, Chris Jericho will still be a wrestler and we'll see him every once in a while. And he's still been a mainstay and he's still now as ROH champ. He's wrestling every damn week as well. I figured once he got to 50, they did the whole 30 years in wrestling thing that he would start to kind of fade in terms of the in-ring. I thought certainly it would still be a presence, right? Especially mm -hmm. with the announcer stuff, you'd still be a presence. Like, and I thought that's maybe what he wanted, but it seems like at least right now, he's still cool with wrestling literally all the time because he, he seemingly is defending that ROH championship just about every Wednesday on Dynamite. Yeah, I think that he can do that because look at the shape that he's in. Not only he's gotten in a better shape. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not just reinventing his character, but reinventing himself and his body. Like it's, it's really transformed into something that he can be able to handle. And so I think that that's, that's pretty cool for him. Um, and so when I'm watching him, Gabe, it's like, man, every time you look around, it's still Jericho, but it's, it's a different hair or he's dressed differently or he's got a different nickname or he's got music. It's always something with him. And so I, I really do like that. So I'm happy though, that he's going to be influencing the company because he's not trying to run back to the WWE for what a payday to be on a WrestleMania. Eventually I think that's going to happen, but not anytime soon. So if nothing else for Tony Khan, he's got an ally. Well, he's got John Moxley. Yep. And he's got now Chris Jericho because this is almost like a reinvention for AEW. Like this whole Young Bucks thing and Omega thing and Cody Rose thing didn't work out. Let's try to reinvent. And that's pretty good, smart business to me. Well, so, and, and we'll get into this with news and notes because Ace Steel was reportedly released by AEW. But we also saw, uh, speaking of the ROH title, in the montage of former champions, we did see a picture of CM Punk, which, of course, now is leading people, oh, is this actually starting to come to some sort of conclusion where we get some sort of, you know, decision about what's happening with the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, CM Punk? 
Like, are we going to see these guys again? Did Are fans looking into that too much in terms of CM Punk having that little flash of, hey, he was there, he was shown as an ROH champ, and now we know Ace Steel was released, Like, the, or, or everyone just making too much of that from Tuesday night? I said with tongue-in-cheek to, to us, uh, to all of us here at GKW, that maybe Punk does not come back to AEW, but he could come back to ROH. I said that. I said, what if, right? I mean, because it's like, okay, you went through your stuff in AEW. All right, how about go to ROH? And I think that that would make a lot of sense, him as a broadcaster or him as a player coach or him being able to take on Jericho. I can clearly see that. I think a lot of this will be answered after full gear. Uh, and I know that you've been seeing the same thing I've seen, Gabe, on the bottom of the screen because they're promoting the crap out of all these shows. Like, we're going to be here, we're going to be here, we're going to be here. Well, they'll be in Los Angeles in January at the forum. Okay. And so I can't see a, it's, I can't say it won't happen, but it'd be unlikely for AW to be in LA without the Young Bucks. That's their town. And in same thing with CM Punk, I don't expect him to be here the day before Thanksgiving, but maybe sometime when he's healed it, sometime in 2023, he could come back and be part of the ROH brand. It would not surprise me. Yeah. I, the more time passes with this, the more I expect everybody to be back just because I don't think that Tony Khan wants to, he wants to try to mend those fences clearly. And I don't think he's in a position to pay any of these guys to go away. You know, I just don't think he's in that position. Yes, him and his family have more money than God, but I don't think he wants to financially pay whatever he's paying CM Punk or the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega, which presumably would be some of the bigger deals in the company. I don't think he wants to pay them to just sit at home and go away because he would have to somehow buy out their contract. Yeah, no, you can't. Well, not in a wrestling war. Can't yeah. do that. I mean, you already have Triple H tampering with AEW talent. That's on the record that he's called some of his favorites like Swerve Strickland and uh, Samoa Joe and others and say, uh, would you like to come back? Uh, and, you know, Tony Khan's like, I'm not releasing you out of your contract. Uh, you have to fulfill your deal here at AEW. And I think that that's even though even though I've, I from what I understand uh, some AEW talent might be having some buyer's remorse. And would like to go back to WWE because Trips is is running the company. Sorry, you're in a contract, and so I think that uh, in a wrestling war, if the Young Bucks are unhappy with AEW, if Kenny Omega is unhappy, you know what? You got to stay because you got to fulfill your deal, or just not be in wrestling for a while until your contract is up. Which it would be tough for a lot of different people to just kind of wait that long. Presumably, some of these guys are under long-term contracts. Yeah. Uh, we move on and talk about some of the other top things going on in the world of wrestling. We like to call it the three count. And number one this week also has to do with Title Tuesday from AEW. Because, Jay hood I know you were texting us about it. You were a big fan of the promo that was given between MJF and William Regal during you know Title Tuesday for AEW, their special Dynamite that was on Tuesday. So... First of all, what did you like about it? What do you think is the best structure of a promo? What makes the promo something so memorable that stands out? Uh, as Jerry Jarrett said in Memphis, personal issues draw money. Personal issues draw money. Something that's real will make the best promo. From like 45 after to the top of the uh, the next hour, they the, it was Regal and MJF being able to go back and forth. I did not know what this was all about. Remember, MJF teased this the week before, mm -hmm. saying, "Hey, I got something on you, Regal, and we're going to talk." At some point, we're going to talk about it. I had no idea what he was talking about. I did know that MJF at one point was in WWE in developmental. Regal was uh, was overseeing the young Florida Championship Wrestling NXT people at that time. Gabe, it was so well done, man. So it was good. so well done. The anatomy of a promo is if it's something real, just let's see if we can draw money with it. Just hold like this whole thing with, with CM Punk and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. At some point, this has to come to a head. People want to see it and they got to do business. The disappointing part of it is if it does not get over, like Sammy Guevara and Kingston, that's a real issue that could have been a main event that could drew, to draw money and it didn't work. Like, it was out there, but it wasn't the blood feud it could have been in which people were like, I got to see this match. Well, what about these two? We, Regal can't wrestle anymore, but the real story is MJF 
was in WWE and Regal kept, you know, spoon feeding him like, yeah, you know, kid, you're special. Yes, you're special. I'm telling you, you're going to be great. After the third month, all of a sudden, those platitudes and those great things that Regal said, all of a sudden it just went away. And, and MJF kept that, kept that email and was bitter about it. Whether it's true or not, it's a hell of a story. And I it's, think that, that that's what, what makes a great promo, well, something real. And yeah, because I think of so I think of like the first the first promo that comes to my mind is CM Punk's pipe bomb from WWE two thousand eleven I think it was at this point yeah. so you know, eleven years ago at this point but there was clearly something real there but also you need the actors you know in this case the wrestlers to be really good at conveying the point and I mean William Regal. Has yeah, I mean, William Regal has always been kind of like the pro wrestlers, pro wrestler. Like he's your he's your favorite pro wrestlers, favorite pro wrestler type of thing. Where right. he was so good in the ring, and like he's just so cool on the mic. Like he never panics. He the, the facial expressions he has are second to none. So whether he was wrestling and cutting promos, or whether he was in NXT as the commissioner, general manager, whatever, you know, the, the, the authority role in NXT delivering those promos, those promos, like he's never lost that. Yes, he can't wrestle, but MJF is probably at this point known more as a talker than a wrestler, even though we both know he can go in the ring. So to let those two go and just to see how William Regal reacted to the whole thing and saying, oh, by the way, you're welcome for motivating you. You've also, by the way, had it super easy. Like it was just so good with those two, the way they were able to play off of each other back and forth. So even though we haven't seen these two do too much yet, the chemistry was already there and it was awesome. So it is a real issue between these two. And again, the the letters WWE was uh, mentioned on AW programming, but this is no other way you could tell the story, right? MJF mm -hmm. is 19. He wants to be in the WWE system. Sorry, sunshine. You have to be 21, but just keep sending your tapes in. Keep sending, keep getting better. But somehow, somewhere down the line, MJF said, he said that the email he received from uh, William Regal hurt him so much he wanted to kill himself. Now, I don't know if MJF was suicidal. He talks about how he's like ADD and you know is really proud of his heritage being Jewish. He, he pounds he pounds his chest about that and wants you to know that he's he's proud of his heritage. He's proud of who he is and he's got this massive chip on his shoulder. Now, Gabe, I don't know if he was suicidal or not, but I know one thing: people in Cincinnati were leaning into their chairs like, "What? What? Else? What did he say? That didn't sound like wrestling. That sounded real, right?" He has the last couple of weeks kind of because I don't know if MJF is ever going to be a full-fledged babyface. He certainly has been playing for more sympathy. And I think that's one of the things that he said. I mean, he, he, he talked about last week, the previous Dynamite on Wednesday, you know, kind of trying to drum up sympathy in terms of some of the struggles that he's had, you know, and, and pretty much ended the promo with, oh, you hate me? Don't worry. I hate me too but this is who I have to be in order to go get that. Like he's, he, he has now hinted at some interdemon struggles mm -hmm. over the last couple of weeks where it's a more sympathetic figure MJF versus, you know, and they, they had the debate this week about, Oh, you want to be the devil. Here's what the devil does mm -hmm. um, to more of maybe he's not the devil, but he has a devil inside of him. And it's 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 a really interesting kind of subtle little tweak, I think, to the character, but it's one that certainly has my attention. And this promo only furthers that. Okay, one step further with this. So this whole buildup of climbing the ladder at all out with a mask on and needing a group of guys led by Stokely Hathaway. Hathaway interrupts an MJF promo. He says that strike two, don't interrupt my promo, all that stuff, and sends Stokely Hathaway away. So, Gabe, that was a lot of do about nothing, unless you're just trying to tell a short story. I thought that was odd. It's just kind of like, once again, MJF needs a whole entourage to be able to get to where he wants to be as heavyweight champion. But the bottom line of that promo at the end of the night, as we come to find out, is, you know what? I'm going to do it the right way. 
I don't need other people to help me get there. It's going to be me. I'm going to get to the mountaintop. I'm going to be the heavyweight champion. Just, just as Regal said, as you mentioned, you've done it easy for a long time. Easy meaning winning matches when he's in there, but he's going to do it by himself. So no entourage, no uh, no Stokely Hathaway uh, guys behind him. Is that Mike, it? Or, or is he swerving us? I think it's a swerve. Just because, again, I, I just – MJF – I can't picture him as a baby face. I just can't. He's, he's one of those guys that, I mean, I think he's a, and, and CM Punk called him a wannabe Miz, but I think he's you know, like the, but he's a better version of the Miz is what I'm saying. Like I can't picture Miz. Miz can't be a baby face despite all the promo work he does for WWE, all the good works. Like Miz at best can be this kind of tweener, but he always is going to be a little bit smarmy, right? Cause he has that very punchable face. Where even if he's supposed to be a good guy, you're like, yeah, but like MJF, I, I just can't see him ever as a babyface. Like at best, he can just kind of be this tweener, but he can never be the full fledged babyface. Gabe Neitzel, when you heard the, the last couple of weeks promos from MJF, especially the one we heard on Tuesday night, were you sympathetic to what he was talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. He got you then. Oh yeah, hey, no, hundred percent. Like yeah, yeah. Well, he, no, he's got me. Then that's then that's a baby face. Yeah. Well, even think about how that promo ended when he said, "For the first time in my life, I'm going to earn it." The crowd started going bananas. Like everybody's going crazy for it. You yes. know, which again makes me think we're going to see W. Morrissey's boot and John Moxley's grill. <laughs> I don't know where. We got a second. Um, yeah. So, but that, but he. Had me on the edge of my chair, too. So he got us. But he also got the people in Buffalo, too. That was a babyface promo in Buffalo, wearing the uh, wearing the, the quarterback's jersey. Oh, yeah. From mm -hmm. Buffalo. Okay. And so the, the But that was a swerve at the end of it. At the end of it, I mean, it was an end of beat because, again, he was trying to just play to them. Mox came out and called him on his BS. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Um, as Tater Nut says on, on YouTube, he says the entire building was hanging on every word uh, from both MJF and Regal. There's no question. It got quiet in there because the story's being told, a real story from MJF standpoint. And Regal told his side of the story as well as someone who was an authority figure in the WWE. Uh, you know, there's a such thing as being um, kind of a shades of gray character babyface. Uh, I know of one, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I, I mean, and he was doing all kind of dirty tactics. All his stuff was dirty, but he yep. was against McMahon and others. So it was okay because it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is, he's turning into a character baby face before our very eyes. Another, another indication of that is, okay, what was the match we just saw last week? Um, I guess the, the guy from the Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, when he, he wrestled Wheeler, you know. Stretch. I mean, he, Wheeler says, "Shake my hand," and it was close. MJF was close, mm -hmm. right? Was that him trying to be a babyface? What was going on there? Just the shades of gray and the doubt is great storytelling by AEW. Yeah, and and if we're going to criticize them for a lot of those other things, I think we have to give them props when when they are telling a good story, and they have us with MJF, and part of that is MJF and and how talented of a wrestler he is. Um, so, but before we close this, what are some of the other promos that you can think of that have really stood out? Because I've got a couple in my mind that have stood out to me over the last, uh, I don't know, probably eight months or so. There's two in particular that really stand out in terms of a good promo that it has been memorable for me. Okay, well, there's a couple of them that's not even part of AEW or WWE that I've liked as well. Um you know, the story from the Motor City Machine Guns, um, where one of them is trying to go for the uh, Impact Heavyweight Championship. And I really like that promo because it was quiet in that. It was quiet because there's no one in there. But it was just a great story <laughs> told. Uh, quiet and, for a different reason than it was quiet for MJF and Regal. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, it was a great promo there to lead into the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. I like that. Um, I, I think that – so. For me, the stuff in the WWE has been good. Like like Rey Mysterio, for instance. Rey Mysterio is a babyface. There's no question about it. He's never been heel. 
and maybe the, the WCW stuff, but even that, he was still kind of a babyface when he had his mask off in WCW. But the point is, though, like the stuff he's been doing with, with Dominic, it tugs at the heartstrings because he's being genuine. A mm-hmm. guy in a mask is telling you, I really love my son, and I really wish that he'd, be, he'd come back to me, but he's part of this Judgment Day thing. And But Ray has, has stood there in the middle of the ring and, and was able to bear his soul about Dominic. And I, we know what usually happens at the end of these promos with Ray usually gets his ass kicked. It's usually four on one or four on three, whatever. But I like what Ray brings to the table trying to talk about his son and how he misses him. I think that leading into where he is now, I think it's been great. Yeah, so the two that really stand out to me are the Riddle and Seth Rollins. Yeah. Hey, Riddle, you still there? Because, yeah. again, it, it it brought some moments of, of real. Hey, family, let's talk about your family. And last yeah. promo that Cody gave in AEW. Oh. And maybe that one's more oh. in retrospect because now we know what was going on. But after he gave it, you're like, hey, wait, is something going on right now? Are we, did we just miss something that was really important? You go back and watch it. And then again, go back and watch it now in terms of, you know, some of the stuff that he was thinking about and dealing with, because there were some, again, real life things that were incorporated, I feel, into that promo before he left for WWE. And he, again, alluded to this might be the last time I talked to you for a while. Like that was, so those are the two, again, to to your point, those, one of them more, I think for storyline purposes, you know, to make it seem more real between Seth and Riddle Mm -hmm. um, in the WWE, but it was used very well. And there was certainly a, a sprinkle of, of realness to what Cody was saying in his final one too, because that's, that's where we're at now. You know, back when, you know, one of the best promos back and forth, I can think of um, just from like the attitude era, Jericho showing up for the first time and he goes back and forth with the rock and everybody loved it. It was fantastic. Yeah. But that wasn't based in reality. Now you kind of need that a little bit more because everybody's a little bit more tuned in, I think into what's going on in, in both these companies or just in wrestling in general. Gabe, um, it didn't happen very often back in the day, but if there was something that was real between two wrestlers, four wrestlers, whatever, and they did fight in the back, like a real fist fight, or if there was real issues, the promoter would say, okay, let's put this in the ring, and you guys fight it out, get it out of your system, and so we can move on. So let's make this out of a real story, uh, or make your real story something that we can put in the ring. If you're going to fight, if you really hate each other, let's make money with it. And and this is why I go back to the Kingston Guevara thing because that's just a miss to me. Like it mm-hmm. just it's it's really a waste because those two legitimately don't like each other. They have a problem. They, I don't know even I don't know if they're separated in the back or whatever. But there is an opportunity to say, all right, you know what, steel cage match, we're gonna beat the hell out of each other and then we're done with this for real. Yeah. Right? So, and but you know, but it's all about real issues. Real issues, you make money with it. And we yep. saw that on Tuesday night. We move on in the three count to number two with uh, TV time. Again, with Triple H now really you know, establishing himself. And they've got their five hours and AEW has their three hours. So we've got eight hours of wrestling between the two companies each and every week. It does seem like both these rosters, especially as Triple H continues to add to the WWE roster, that there is some underutilized talent. So let's go ahead and take a look at what three wrestlers we think should be getting more television time. Of course, you can always uh, contribute to the conversation, uh, especially if you're watching over on Twitch uh, slash Good Karma Wrestling, and and we can kind of go through some of yours as well. But um, who are three wrestlers? I guess let's start with number one on your list. Okay. Or just a, a, a wrestler on your list of three. So I wrote down Buddy Matthews. Mm, I, wrote down, okay. I, wrote down, I wrote down Buddy Matthews because someone has to be able to come out of this group that they're in and to be able to be a singles champion or contend for a singles championship. It's, it's one thing to be ominous and have a cool open game, but you got to be able, someone's got to be able to say, okay, there's the ass kicker out of this group. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so. When I see the six-man tag team match on Tuesday to open up Dynamite, I'm like, well, I mean, I like Ray Phoenix. I know you love Ray Phoenix, but oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Pac has been a singles champion. He was out of, able to get out of that group and be a singles champion. 
And same thing with this group that Matthews is in right now. We know he can go. And there was a thumb on him in uh, WWE. Last time we saw him in WWE, he's going out with or making out with Rey Mysterio's daughter who's <laughs> underage maybe. Like 19. She's like 19 maybe or 18 or 19. Like there's a significant age gap like that made everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. Except I mean, for Vince apparently. Goddamn. I love it. Pandemic TV. I it just It was just – I don't understand. But I know he can go. I know he's a tremendous wrestler. So he's on my list. Um, you know, I, Hobbs is on my list as well. Like, I don't know what's happening here with, with Powerhouse Hobbs. So he's in that pay-per-view at All Out, and all of a sudden you don't see him anymore. What happened to him, Gabe? Like, where where did he go? Like, how come that guy's down on my TV every other week or on each show kicking ass? You, you, you mentioned Hobbs, one, one that's on my list. What about the guy that he just fought with? Ricky Starks is like someone's got to be. How how is that? How are both of these guys Marty Jannetty right now? How is how is this happening? Like what? Like they're both like powerhouse again. He just looks like he can hit the crap out of everyone. Ricky Starks is charismatic as hell. Like he can own the microphone. He can own the ring. And like somehow they're getting now both less. Like one of them you would think would get more TV time than when they were with Team Taz and. Neither of them are getting TV time. I, I listen. He could, you know, Tony Khan can say, "Well, I got th- only three hours." Actually, you have YouTube shows too. Yeah, I mean, you can be able to put them in a position to, to. Both of those guys are good. Hobbs to me is the next like Butch Reed. I think he's that good, mean, tough, looks good. Ricky Starks to me is a star. I, I said a few weeks ago, like they better lock in Ricky Starks before Triple H takes him because that guy's charismatic. He can go. And I think that for sure that guy's a future world champion in that company. But he's again, you're suppressing all this talent. You get all this talent and you don't have enough TV time for them. Like, so you're gonna go two, three, four weeks without having these guys on TV? That's a mess. Again, Dalton Castle is getting a prime spot on a show you're calling Title Tuesday. Like, what the come on, man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. I guess maybe maybe Dalton has a contract since he's an ROH champ and maybe he has an ROH contract, but like this isn't an ROH show. It's AEW Dynavite. It's put one of those two on. It doesn't make sense. I listen. What I tell you all the time about a neophyte Booker. Like I mean, yes, you have a lot of talent, but you got to be able to put these guys in place. You do have stream. You do have YouTube, and you do have two shows to put these guys on. There's no reason why these guys cannot be wrestling on a regular basis, leading somewhere. It doesn't have to be against each other. Yeah. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to be Starks and Hobbs. If that's over, that's fine. But cool. But still be on TV. I yes. Agree. Yes, it's not that hard. Um, to that extent, and I know they've been on TV more recently, but they still, for the love of God, put FTR on television more and don't put them in like little storylines of like, Oh, now they're in this eight man tag. Now they're in a six man tag. And it seems like they keep trying to, and then they just get in their own way. They, they finally booked them in an actual tag team match. Those two, the best tag team in the world going up against Swerve and our glory. But when you have the best tag team in the world right now, in my opinion, and they have to, after defending the New Japan, the IWGP tag team titles, go jokingly, supposedly, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some truth in there. Hey, Tony, book us. Yeah, that's a shoot. Like, come, like, come on, man. Like, how can you, how can you have, and, and I guess along with that, because Wardlow's been in the same boat, like, so I guess maybe I'm cheating by taking three of those, but like, You've blown all of the momentum that you had with these people, and luckily FTR is still incredibly over. I don't think Wardlow's still as over as he was when he defeated MJF. That title is ice cold, and that's the opposite uh, effect of what they were supposed to do. They're making fun of the Intercontinental Championship before Vince was ousted, saying it was just another championship. We're going to make our secondary championship mean something. Wardlow's ice cold in that company. It's it's unbelievable. There, that's your next future world heavyweight champion. I don't know about like next year, but I mean he should be under contract to yeah. be the guy. Look at him; he's a powerhouse. Yeah. I'm, something I, I'm mad I didn't get to two weeks ago. That that match that Wardlow had with Brian Cage, I was so mad because I'm like that is a pay per view match. 
they made Brian Cage look like somebody that you see on AEW, you know, dark elevation. Like Brian Cage is a tremendous wrestler. Look at those two. Brian Cage, Wardlow. Put that on a poster and tell me that doesn't make box office. Seriously. And it, and, and and Cage is folded up like an accordion. It's just like, really? Like you you powerbomb that guy four times? Brian Cage? Like that's that's again bad booking. That's a, that is a pay-per-view quality match that you could put put out there and people would believe it. I couldn't believe that match. Cage has been somebody that I think you could make a case for if you put if you if you had a list and you put Brian Cage on it, I would have a hard time disagreeing. But he's just been somebody that they'll heat up for a second just so he can lose the big match. Like him and Lance Archer. It's it's like those two are like, oh, we've got these two big beasts when we need to heat them up real quick. And to the point where Lance Archer got the, the IWGP U.S. championship off of John Moxley just so they could heat him up for a little bit only to ultimately lose the big match. Like those two guys have had some opportunities and for whatever reason, Tony just hasn't hooked on to them. So yes, it was disappointing to see the that match certainly go the way it was gone. But Again, you've got Wardlow out there. I just don't understand. Who you, who's your last one? Who do you have as, as your last one in terms of wrestlers who need more TV time? Then we'll get to some of our uh, listener and viewer uh, suggestions here. I, I had uh, I have a, a list of uh, twenty five, so we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we're, I, we're only supposed to go to seven ish. <laughs> okay, well, well, I'm sorry, but I central seven ish central. There's a lot of guys that listen. There's a lot of guys that I want to see, like. So I wrote down Kevin Owens, and I know apparently he was on this NXT show that I'm reviewing while we do this show. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm looking at is people on here I don't know. Uh, someone with green hair, then another person in like a visceral. Shotzi? Outfit. Yeah. Or is there I, another person with green hair? I don't know. Is it, and there's someone with a visceral outfit on here. I don't know these people. Anyway, <laughs> this is this is why I'm pissed at you, bro. It's you're supposed to review this to teach us who these people are. Uh, hot crowd, just don't know who these people are. Nonetheless, um, so I I um I wrote down Kevin Owens because I thought this was supposed to be Kevin Owens, you know, fight Kevin fight, and he has he cooled off. I saw him online do a promo from his car, and I'm like. That guy should be in the mix for a major title in WWE. What's happening with that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they were do, they had a good formula to me for about a month where he was coming out. He'd cut a promo as he was walking down the ramp mm-hmm. and go, I'm done talking. I'm here to fight. Let's fight. Yep. Hell yeah, fight Owens fight. Let's do it. And they've kind of gotten away from that. I, I don't know if they're trying to – cool down his one-on-one momentum because he's the obvious partner that everybody keeps predicting for when Sami Zayn finally gets ousted from the bloodline. And then the two of those can take on the guys together can take on the bloodline. I I don't know, but it seems like over the last couple of weeks, he certainly has cooled off a little bit more, which is disappointing because he, when we, when we did that, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, who's been the MVP of the Triple H era, he was my vote because yeah. he was, certainly has the clearly the confidence of Triple H, but he just hasn't been on television significantly enough over the last couple of weeks. Also wrote, um, down, also wrote down Shelton Benjamin. He just had the – I swear, he had the promo of his life. It was on main events, right? And that's not like I was watching main event. Don't do that to me. I just I, – I, I saw it on – Wait, 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 wait. What? Then how did you see this promo? It was an isolated two-minute promo with Shelton Benjamin and R-Truth. And they're in the back. And I'm just scrolling through my Twitter. I'm like, what are these two talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I click it, volume, and Shelton Benjamin goes, you know what? I used to be the gold standard. Now I'm just Shelton. For two minutes, he just – R-Truth wasn't goofy. It was kind of like Ron Killings from TNA. He was just kind of just like – staring like actually being serious for the first time in two decades and he was just listening to shelton he's like man i've been here since 2002 you know i always used to be the guy and now i just don't know my way anymore it's kind of one of those promos like i used to be something now i'm nothing here i used to be the gold standard now i'm just shelton and he just walks off and i was like hmm I wouldn't mind to see shelton benjamin back on tv he's always on like main events so obviously i don't watch it but I mean, the guy still looks good, and he can still oh, he go. Can go. Yeah, he can still go without well, a doubt. You know, um, the last one I had on my list was Alexa Bliss, um, because th- it seems like they're looking for more women to feature in that division, and it, it seems like now they're you know they're they're still kind of going with Bailey and Bianca, 
and and Alexa's on Raw, but there are no rules. You can go over to SmackDown too if you want. But like Alexa as this like smiley baby face sidekick with her and Asuka, like, dude, this is a five-time women's champ. Like, get her, get her in the mix. Like, make her the heel that she always was when she was a five-time women's champ. That makes her a much more interesting character. It makes the women's division deeper. I, I just I was I guess I was hopeful for something more with her when they brought her back after she went to therapy and nope, now she's still walking around with the doll. And yeah. I think, especially with Bray back, I think she's just going to have to leave a lot of that stuff behind unless she ends up being part of the teased Wyatt six stable. Cool. If she is. Um, but I, I guess I was just hoping more when, when they brought her back and she's just been oh, a bland blonde baby face that just smiles and waves at the crowd. And I know she's, we all know she's capable of so much more. I wish they would give her more. Yeah. I mean, would that be a step sideways or backwards if she's part of Bray Wyatt? Um, and I would say way, a small step forward, small step. I mean, we already saw the act though. Didn't we? Did we see her with Bray Wyatt? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I guess it would be a little bit different maybe, but maybe not. Well, I mean, no, well, I guess, I guess uh, to your point, it would be different in that Bray Wyatt, at least on the surface, looks like a baby face. I, I, <laughs> we saw Wyndham Rotunda at, we at, did. with that promo, and it's just like, okay, whoa, what's going on here? It's just like, I just want you to know, I, I, and, it, and he's just, and I was like, he's almost crying, and it's kind of yeah. sad. I was like, and but see, this is the thing about wrestling. Is that real or is he acting and showing like here? Here's me being vulnerable, but I have another side of me that's evil that's on the big screen. Like what? What are we watching here? If it's AEW, we'd know it's when the Rotundo because it would be the it would just be him with a microphone for 15 minutes saying I uh, I lost my confidence because Vince called me fat or Vince said to me you know the story like it was like Gabe he says Vince would see him in Gorilla and go. Why don't you work in a protein bar, pal? Stuff like that. <laughs> he would. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I guess Bray has earned my trust. I don't know what's going on. Right. But I trust that it's going to go somewhere interesting. Because anytime he's been given a little bit of latitude, he goes somewhere interesting. So I, I have no idea what the end of SmackDown was. Very confused by it. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think it's going to pay off because – Wyndham is the one who is involved and he's, he's got a great pro wrestling mind and he hasn't let me down when he's been given those opportunities previous. Did you watch Mike Rotundo Russell? I did not know. You did not watch Mike Rotundo Russell. I want you to go to YouTube and watch Mike Rotundo. And then I want you to text me and ask me, how did Bray Wyatt come out of Mike Rotundo? Like, <laughs> Mike Rotundo was the most bland wrestler. His dad. Yeah, one wrestler in the one of the. I mean, he had so many different gimmicks just to get just to get him to smile, just you know, just to have a personality, Mike Rotundo, and to see his son be such a bright star. It's like, how that's a weird one. Usually, it doesn't work, <laughs> right? Like you got like Mike Rotundo was able to sire something as great as Bray Wyatt, and, and it's like. Well, I mean, in fairness, he, in fairness, he also has Bo Dallas, so. Oh, well, I mean, you got to blow leave because <laughs> that works, right? <laughs> yeah. Who, by the way, reportedly is also coming back and could be a part of this uh, Wyatt Six. Um, some other suggestions of people that they want to see more. Um, Eddie Kingston. I wouldn't mind seeing more Eddie Kingston. Does that make sense to you? Doing what? More, more Eddie Kingston on TV. Do, doing what? Oh, just anything? No? Talking or like... I mean, I, I've I've seen I've seen plenty of Eddie Kingston. Like you mean, like in the title picture or in ROH? Like, I mean, haven't we seen a lot of Eddie? Almost yeah. Every other week? Okay. Um, Ted says he needs to see more of Swerve's house. I feel like Swerve has actually been one that's been featured quite a bit since he was just a former tag team champ, and they continue to tease almost weekly dissension between Swerve and um and Keith Lee and Keith Lee. There's a lot of Shaq and Kobe with those two, isn't it? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's I'm hoping I'm hoping the breakup is good for good this time, just because again, you have so many good tag teams. This was just two singles wrestlers thrown together that ended up being tag team champs. So 
Uh, I guess we'll I, have I, to wait. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting mix between those two because, yes, they're together, but not really. They're on the same team, but not really. Shaq and Kobe come to mind in that regard. Like, they played with one another. They won championships together, but ugh, they didn't like each other that often. What about Dante? Injured. Yeah. Injured. Yeah. You know, and he's – yeah. He's somebody that needs to develop a character. He can do really cool things. He's awesome. I, I don't know why I should root for him. Oh, that's fair. That's fair to say. Um, he gets a great reaction because because of what he does inside the ring. Yep. But as far as him getting, you know, it's like a lot of these young wrestlers. This is not a, this is not just NXT. This is a WWE issue NXT problem as well. It's like man, it just takes time for seasoning. What was Jungle Boy two years ago? I, I was told by people in the back that Jungle Boy, when it's time to do his promo, they couldn't find him. They would text him. They would call him. They he, they knew he was in the building, but he'd be hiding. Like, Jack, it's time for your promo. Okay, what do you want me to say? Like, there's a number of those guys like that that, that mm -hmm. didn't want to talk because they were so scared. Look at Jungle Boy now. He's ferocious on the mic. Yeah, but it just takes well, time. Don't, it does. Yeah, and and, it, and I think I mean him working with Christian, I, I think has really helped him in this aspect where it's given him. Again, they've made this personal, you know, because again, Christian has brought up the family of 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 Jack Perry, so it can draw that motion out. I think a little bit easier, which is why he's given some pretty good promos in this feud he's got going on. With Christian. Uh, we move on to number three in the three count after reports this week uh, coming out that day one, a pay per view that WWE was hoping to make an annual tradition on the first day of January appears it's been canceled. They're trying to make it an annual thing. This year is supposed to be in Atlanta. Ultimately, they decided to abandon it. So there will be no day one, meaning as of right now, there's nothing on the WWE calendar between Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble. That is a long time, two plus months to go without a uh, without a pay-per-view or a premium live event. Oh. But it got us thinking, what is the perfect number of pay-per-views for a company? And this year... Uh, Jay Hood, I, I did the research. Um, given that they do have Crown Jewel and Survivor Series War Games coming up, that is going to put WWE at 12 premium live events this year. AEW, on the other hand, just five premium live or eight pay per views because Forbidden Door was in there this year. Don't know if that's going to happen again next year. But also, then what AEW does is they mix in all these different shows and they had 14 different television specials. That's like Fighter Fest. Uh, St. Patrick's Slam, Beach Break, Grand Slam, Road Rager, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 14 of those scheduled with three more still to come with Winter is Company, Holiday Bash, and New Year's Smash all in December. Jeez, that's a lot. Um, so the right number of pay-per-views to me is six because it's every other week. If I had a promotion that you and I would be running, Gabe, mm -hmm. uh, I would say that it would be six. It's every other month because it builds anticipation. It builds story. That would be for me. Now, when it comes to crown jewel for the WWE, you can't turn down that money. You can, but for yeah. them, they don't, they don't want to turn down the money from the, from the, the prince, the crown prince. So they take the money from, and they go to Saudi Arabia and they make a boatload of money. I totally get that to me though. If you don't have the money from the crown, from the, uh, the prince, I think six is good every other month with specials. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. If you want to have a couple of TV specials, I think you work at 14 for AEW, I think is too many. Again, because you get things like Quake by the Lake. Like, what the hell are we doing with that? Like, come yeah. on. Like, okay. Oh, no, well, those are just branded for the city, though. Like, it's not like you and I are going to be like, you know, we probably should do a special for Quake at the Lake. I mean, no, I don't but, even know these things until they come on the air. You know. Yeah. But I mean, but again, like, they try to then hype those up. You know, but I mean, winter is coming. They, they did a title change at winter is coming once. Fighter Fest, Grand Slam. Like those ones, they've certainly elevated. I, I think AEW could do more than the four that they do um, just because it seems like they kind of get lost in the storytelling on the way, you know, between. Okay, because sometimes maybe you have to tell multiple stories between your AEW champion, between Revolution and Double or Nothing. Or between double and nothing or an all out because double or nothing and all that's the entire summer. 
You know, yeah. you've got to tell a story of the entire summer. So I, I, I agree with you. I, I would say, you know, six to seven, if there's, if there's one that you want to make sense, just to kind of sneak another one in there during a slow month. But I think there are too many in WWE, not enough in AEW, and then way too many of these specially branded shows that AEW does. Um, yeah. Where with NXT, we've seen them do some of those as well. They've got Halloween Havoc that's going to be coming up at the end of the month, you know, as a special branded show where they've got some of these title matches and, and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, 12 just seems like a lot. And so for example, WWE did two in January this year, they did day one in the rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the elimination chamber in Saudi Arabia in February, but then nothing until April, but it was pretty much a month because elimination chamber was end of February, nothing in March. First weekend was mania. Backlot WrestleMania backlash in May, Hell in a Cell in June, Money in the Bank and SummerSlam. That's two big ones that they did in July, which I, I, I'd like to see a different spot in the calendar at this point for Money in the Bank um, because they've kind of tried to brand that as one of their big five along with Mania, Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam. Um, and SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. So I'd maybe – I just feel like there's a better spot for that one. They did Clash at the Castle this year, Extreme Rules, Crown Jewel – and Survivor Series War Games. So they've got 12 on the calendar. and But that's not even doing one a month. You know, because it, it kind of got it, it got really tight in there between Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, Clash of the Castle. Like, they tried to do three stadium shows there, ended up backing off Money in the Bank being a stadium show. But it just seemed like a little too much they were trying to jam into a too tight of a window. Yeah, the reason why I like the separation of having it for six months is because – or having six in a year – is because it gives room for storytelling. Um, but listen, you got a clash of the castle, and someone's if you got a crowd of sixty thousand people are waiting for you, you got to go. But yeah. I think that there's a. I think that um, that when you hear premium live event, I know what that means. That means a house show with cameras. So when people are upset, like, oh, we didn't get Roman and we didn't get the Usos. Well, they told you up front, pal. It is a premium live event. Live event by itself means house show. Premium live event means that you got to pay through pay for it on Peacock. That's what it means. So don't expect the world. This is why you get Rollins and Riddle in a, a weird, you know, cage match, uh, you know, as your main event because it's a live With Daniel event. Cormier as the may as the guest referee. You know, you could have just had Chad Patton there, it would have been just, just the same. Nothing really changed just because Cormier was there, it didn't really do anything for me. Nope. Um, but so so that's what I think. Um, I would say that for AEW, there's a lot of different ideas thrown against the wall because it's Tony Khan and he's all over the place and he's hyped up on sugar. But I think that when you laid out everything that's going on with um, with AEW, you also have to mention that there's these Battle of the Belt shows that just don't do anything. Like I, I appreciate the Saturday Night's main, main event shows and the um, – Clash of Champions shows because they were isolated away from everything. Hey, this is a special event because this is going to be on the line. Well, you know, if everything's a main event on Dynamite and Rampage, then it makes Battle of the Belts less special. It's all about booking. You can have names for these events, but it's all about the booking. How do you lead into something to make me think, man, sorry, hon, I got to stay in. Battle of the Belts is on. Got to watch, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. We see these Battle of the Belt shows that's on for an hour, and it's uh, and we saw it uh, on the back end of a Rampage. I'm like, what's yeah. really the difference? It would look like the same show, right? It's so. it's just an afterthought. Like, it's just an afterthought. And it's clearly an afterthought for Tony because he doesn't get the big stars. I mean, it's booked more or less like a, like a Rampage, only with uh, maybe the TBS titles on the line. It was oh, that made, That was a trend against Moxley. Was that a, was that a thing? Am I dreaming that? I think that was one of the matches on. Might have been. I think, and it was a good match, but it's just kind of like it fell flat because it's on at ten o'clock central, and it's like you and I are not around. <laughs> we're either not on a Friday night, my band. Like, either, sorry, we're either asleep or at the bowling alley, or we're <laughs> drinking somewhere, restaurant somewhere, but we're not. In the front of our TV at ten o'clock central on a Friday night, watching Battle of the Belts. It's but you got to make it special so we can watch, where we can all watch, and so mm-hmm. that's why I think I think six is a good number, though. Yeah, because again, I think it allows for some of that storytelling, and even if you want to, again, you can still have title matches on television. Sure, 
you know, in between those. But I think the storytelling certainly um, is six seems about right to me as well. All right, we, we move on to our news and notes. Um, what we have this week. Uh, so DX had their big reunion on Raw a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Road Dog this week saying that they were expecting and Billy Gunn was expecting that he was going to be a part of that celebration. Ultimately, it all fell apart last minute. Billy Gunn obviously wasn't there um, for the reunion on WWE television. So it, apparently they thought they had some sort of agreement that ultimately didn't happen. I guess I wasn't surprised that Billy wasn't there. I just expected him not to be there, especially because he's been so prominently featured on AEW television. What agreement? What 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 agree? Like he's on AEW. He's a coach at AEW TV. Sorry, Tony. I got to do more crotch chops. Seriously, like like that wasn't going to happen. Like if you're Tony Khan, you don't let one of your talents go over there. What do you? What is Tony Dixie Carter? Dixie Carter and TNA once was like, okay, well, Ric Flair works for TNA, but he's got to be at the WWE Hall of Fame to get his ring. Can we make a deal? And what did Dixie Carter say? Well, if we're going to make a deal, if you want Ric Flair, I need, they can say, you can have anyone else on your roster, anyone on our roster, just for a one off. If we get Ric Flair, who do you want? Christian Cage. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Anybody on the roster? I've always liked Christian Cage. Ric Flair for Christian Cage? Done. Let's go. <laughs> really? <laughs> I said, okay, this this cornization is gonna fold. Like what? Is <laughs> All the people in that anybody? Cena? Yeah, All Cena. Anybody? You know, I really like that Christian Cage. <laughs> really. And honestly, I think it worked out for AEW because um, Road Dog did the introduction. Everybody yelled out the badass Billy Gunn when he threw up the mic. And then, you know, even on the commentary, they're like, yeah, I think he's off doing something with office equipment. You know, obviously referencing the scissor me daddy ass. So I, I, I don't know. I think it worked out for AEW that he wasn't there. Um, yeah, I didn't know. And what he, wasn't, he wasn't coming. No. And honestly, that segment was fine. He wasn't missed. No, I don't think during the segment. It was fine. fine. Uh, We referenced this earlier, but a steal has been released by AEW. That also report out there. He was also reportedly involved in the backstage brawl after the CM Punk press conference following all outs. With that being the first move, do you think we have the resolution coming for everybody else soon? I believe so, sir. I believe that is the case. Um, as we mentioned, AEW is going to be in LA, and I think the Young Bucks, if, if they're smart, they will be there. You got you can't sweep all this under the, the rug, but I think you can be able to heal from this. Like CM Punk can't be around for this because he's injured, but doesn't mean you can't put Kenny Omega out there. So, but Ace Steel was part of that brawl. It you know that's the right thing to do, but you can just tell. Just from the um, the Ariel Hawani uh, interview that uh, Tony Khan did, there's something litigious going on that we don't know about yet that he doesn't mm-hmm. want to talk about it on camera. So we'll see how this all unfolds. But Ace Steel being released, I think that that makes sense because he was right in the middle of it. Him fighting a dog or trying to have make sure his dog wasn't and not kicked or something happened. It was just weird. Yeah. Larry was somehow involved. Uh, Larry has not been released to this point. I also don't know if Larry's under contract. Um, Awesome. Big news. You also on your show and ESPN 1000 in Chicago, you talked to Ric Flair today. Yes. I'm Captain J hood on, uh, on ESPN Chicago. Hope you get a chance to download the ESPN Chicago app. Um, because we talked to Ric Flair, you know, Gabe Nigel, he's heavy in the, um, the old cannabis, you know, Oh, little CBD. A little, a little deeper than that, probably. Uh, <laughs> he, he's into the, the old green leaf. If you'll pardon the expression, the ganja, uh, Rick Flair. Um, so he's in the Chicagoland area for the next couple of days, and he's got that Rick Flair drip. Um, that's the name of it. It's not that. Okay. That's not a. That's not a rib. It actually, <laughs> that's that's the name of the product. It's Rick Flair drip, and uh, he's really heavy into that. And uh, I asked him. I asked him. I said, I don't know why. I asked him. I said, Hey, Rick. You know, you wrestled, and I know you were around marijuana in the seventies and eighties when you wrestled. How well did you did that help you recover? He goes. 
yeah, I didn't I didn't smoke weed when I was wrestling because he had asthma. <laughs> because so he wasn't around it. That's what it's what Gabe. I'm just telling you what the man said. He goes, I had asthma. I didn't I didn't inhale. I didn't smoke weed. Of course, he was a drinker, but he did not smoke. But now he's doing it now, obviously. But he's still a wrestler. I mean, he's he, he's he's still wrestling. He still wants to have another match. Doesn't mean he's still active. Yes, he does want another match. Um, but but also I asked him about Charlotte Flair. So the the bottom line is is that I asked him about Charlotte Flair. I said, "Hey, we haven't seen Ashley, your daughter, on TV lately. How's she doing?" He says he, she just got married and she's just trying to settle into her new home. We expect to see her in January in WWE. Huh. So can you check? We the were count? just wait. We were just talking about pay per views, right? I, isn't there a big one in January? Did you check that? What's there in January? Think, um, am I saying this right? The Royal Rumble is that? Ah, is that? Is that right? I believe that's correct, sir. It ain't day uh, one. So <laughs> we know that it ain't day one. So maybe uh, later in the uh, maybe a little bit later in January we could see her, which would make sense. That podcast, by the way, available on our Twitter feed at GKW underscore Wrestling. You should be following us anyway. If you're watching the show. GKW underscore wrestling. That's where you can follow us. You can find the interview right there in its entirety. Uh, and then uh, as we wrap up news and notes, a little bit of sad news. Uh, the son of Kevin Nash, Tristan Nash, uh, tragically passing away at the age of 26. So, th you know, thoughts and prayers go out to the uh, the Nash family. I can't imagine, especially that young at 26. Yeah. Um, apparently Tristan was helping produce the Kevin Nash podcast. And it's starting to really gain some steam. Kevin's telling stories from the road, his days with Scott Hall. And I think the thing that's really sad about it, not only just the passing of uh, of his son, we are now, I think, a year into Scott Hall's passing. And so I think that's this week. So think about that. I mean, from that standpoint, like Scott died a year ago and now his son passes away. So all the best to the Nash family during this very difficult time. And then finally, as we do each and every week here on GKW, Jay Hood, what was your match of the week? Well, Gabe Nitzel, let me tell you. Oh, boy. I've got a lot here. We're going to be here for a while, pal. I got a lot of matches. Well, actually, I only have a few. Um, okay. So <laughs> don't worry. You can go home soon. This is this will be this will be very quick. I really liked um, Seamus Solo Sokoa. Uh, Ray Mysterio and Ricochet. Oh, the 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 fatal four way to be the number one contender on SmackDown for the for the Intercontinental Championship. How about that stakes for the Intercontinental Championship? How about that? How about that? It turns out it's not that hard. <laughs> How about stakes? Uh, I liked Rollins and Riddle on Raw at the end. You know what? Now we got a matchup here where you want to see it a hundred times because okay, you may not have liked the finish because you know Riddle lost, but Rollins is on a roll as the United States champion. So I like that matchup as well. Those are two of my matches I really yeah. like. So I had I had Rollins and Riddle on, on my short list as well. I also really enjoyed the Trios uh, championship match. I know I, I, I rag on the Trios championship. I still do not believe that they should be a thing. But I, I just kind of like the, the little subtle things that they did with that. Because obviously Pac is, is still upset that he lost his... Uh, what, what championship did he lose to Orange Cassidy? All, all, all Atlantic. Atlantic. All Atlantic championship. I wanted to call it the All Pacific championship, but I was got my oceans confused. Um, so, he, <laughs> so he's still upset that he lost that with Orange Cassidy. So he wanted to hit him with the hammer. Ray Phoenix stops him. It was just some good subtle storytelling within that match. And, and again, you put Ray Phoenix on my screen, and, and I'm always going to be really happy. And I just thought that was a really good way – with the trios championship match to kind of set the tone on Tuesday night for dynamite. Um, they're you know, title Tuesday, whatever they wanted to call it. I thought that was a great way to, uh, to start that night as well. Uh, honorable mention to Sheeta storm. It was, yeah. it was a solid matchup. I, I, I shouldn't say it like that. I'm not trying to be condescending. Let me just say, I really liked the matchup very much. I didn't want to, it was a really solid match. How about that? Two women. It was pretty good. No, actually, it was a really good match between the two. The more I see of Sheeta, the more I'm a fan. Like when when she initially and, and had her run, I think she's even had the longest run as AEW women's champ. I think they put that on on her 
status she was kind of walking to the ring i was like okay i kind of see it but I, the more and more i see her man like she's i just enjoy her you know and, and she's been she has been able to because there's a little bit of a language barrier there clearly english not her, her first language yeah. but she has been able to find a way not through promos but be able to communicate with you know facial expressions and and some of the the backstage promos that they do you know they haven't really given her a live mic but I, I've really enjoyed the work that they've they've given her, and I, I've really enjoyed the work that she's done in, in the ring. She's been, I, again, I've, every time I see her, I feel like I'm becoming a bigger, bigger fan. Yeah, I think I, I see a star when I see her perform, and her, her against and Tony Storm is just completely solid. The championship looks great on her, and let's just keep the rumor going. She is the interim AEW Women's Champion, right? Yep. Zero Zippo on Thunder Rosa. Zero. What does that mean? No updates, nothing. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Maybe we'll have something to talk about next week around that. Who knows? But uh, there's one thing I do know, Jay Hood. It's pro wrestling. We're gonna have something to talk about. There is always something to talk about in the world of professional wrestling, and you can catch up on all of it next week right here on GKW. I still don't know these people on NXT. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>